Special. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all, to this service of worship. It is a delight to see everybody here in our new sanctuary this morning, our temporary sanctuary here in our activity center. It's a delight to welcome everybody who's here in person worshiping, and it's a delight to welcome all of you who are joining us online, live streaming from home, and wherever you may be. Uh, we're delighted that you are with us also in spirit this morning here at GPC, so welcome to and welcome from GPC this morning. And, and every Sunday over the last couple of weeks, it has been such a joy to see people who are worshiping with us in person who haven't been with us, uh, some of whom in months, if not over a year. And every Sunday, there's just a, another group of people who are worshiping with us for the first time in a while. So a special welcome back to uh, many of you who are worshiping with us live uh, in person for the first time. We're delighted for that. We're excited about the vaccinations and about the, the furthering of our, um, the, hopefully, the, the, the diminishing of the COVID restrictions. We're looking forward to that and getting back to normal as soon as possible. But, uh, but until then, we continue to worship live stream as well as in person, and it's a joy to welcome everybody to this worship service this morning. I'll remind those of you who are worshiping uh, with us uh, at home that you can download the church bulletin. You can uh, go to the website. You can download uh, a PDF of the bulletin. You can follow along. We invite you to, um, to, to pray the prayers with us and to, to the call to worship and the prayer of confession and to take part at home in all of the parts of the service that we do here uh, in, in live and in person. And I've had people say it is a joy for them, even in their own living room, to sing the refrains and to sing the hymns and to rejoice and make a joyful noise. And so we invite everybody to do that with us. Please do sign the online friendship pad if you're worshiping with us at home. There is a way that you can mark your attendance with us. And again, it's, a, it's always a joy to see the names of those who sign that. It's on the church website uh, homepage. It, there's, a, there's a tab you can click to sign the online friendship pad. I invite you to sign that, especially if you're a visitor worshiping with us, visiting online. We're delighted for you to, to join us. And if you would, uh, click on that tab, sign that friendship pad. Let us know that you're worshiping with us uh, from wherever you may be. That's also a great, uh, a great benefit to us as a congregation to see your name and know where you're coming from and to pray for you as well. Come back this evening at 6 o'clock for our contemporary evening worship service. We know that some people are coming, uh, they come to the morning, some people come to the evening, some people choose between one or the other. Uh, come back uh, this evening at 6. So you can join us online or you can join us here in uh, the Activity Center. And if you're wondering what in the world is this evening service all about, I'm not even sure what it means. What is that contemporary service and different music, different instruments? I invite you to come back uh, this evening and you can come and find out for yourself or join us online as well for our evening worship this evening at 6. Let me highlight for you uh, several things that are happening in, within the life of our church as we move uh, toward the end of Lent and into Holy Week and then uh, Good Friday and Easter. Let me, let me just tell you a little bit about the things that will be happening and the events that are coming up in the next uh, several weeks. One is a reminder that, yes, we will have our annual Easter egg hunt 
next Sunday, the 28th, and that's at 3.30 in the afternoon, and we need uh, candy donations. We need donations of wrapped individual candies, no chocolate, please, that melts in the egg on the field in the sun, Um, but individual candies, and that's always a great time. And this is a great way for us to engage our neighborhoods and to engage other people. This is our theme for the year, the theme of engagement. And this is a great event by which we invite the kids from our preschool down below. We know many of you bring grandchildren. Some of you bring uh, neighbors' children. And this is a a great way for us to reach out to our community and to engage everybody in this fun event for children. So it's next Sunday at 3.30. We do need... Uh, individually wrapped uh, pieces of candy to be uh, donated to the church for that congregational life committee that will put them all in the little eggs. And so we need that um, by uh, tomorrow or Tuesday as soon as possible that we can have those pieces of candy. So please uh, pick up a bag of that and bring it by the church office. Let me also highlight for you that Easter Sunday is, of course, a special day of worship and celebration for us. And so We will have two morning services on that day, and we will have uh, evening worship as usual on that day as well. We'll have uh, our first service at 9.30 in here, and um, we'll have another service at 11.30 also in here. Now, 9.30, we wanted to keep the time the same because we didn't want to confuse people by, by shifting times around, but we do need time to sort of reset and sanitize and let people come in and out of the parking lot, so the next service needs to be a little bit later at 11.30 for that reason. And so please make plans accordingly. You can sign up online starting uh, after next Sunday, the week preceding Easter for either the 9.30 or 11.30 or the 6 p.m. service. Uh, Please do sign up for one of those. We'll have the flower cross that we always have on Arthur Road. Thanks to Kathy McCoy and uh, thanks to Uh, her efforts and other efforts to have that cross up and decorated. And we know that people love to celebrate the resurrection with that beautiful cross. Um, And please do come for that very special day. Uh, A few other reminders. We will have our our inter-church worship services during Holy Week at noon. Those will be online. And you can see those through our YouTube channel, through our website. You can see those through the other churches, St. George's. Germantown Methodist, New Bethel, and Kingsway, um, all those churches we participate together. So there'll be several worship opportunities during that Holy Week, including Monday, Thursday at 6.30 and Good Friday at 6. Monday, Thursday in here, Good Friday in the chapel. That's a lot. I I don't even think I got those details right. They're all in the bulletin, but I wanted to highlight them for you so that you would would have that uh, on your mind and on your heart as well. A few other things also, don't forget, you can donate Easter lilies. There are envelopes out here. There's an online form to donate an Easter lily in memory of someone or in honor of someone. Also, don't forget more upcoming events. There's an announcement in your bulletin about the Joy Prom and about what a special event that is, again, this year. Altered, different, but it'll be very important. The Joy Prom will be on the Friday, the April the 16th. You can, regist- you can register as a volunteer for that. Um, and that closes on April the 2nd. There's more information available in your bulletin. Please do see that. Please see the announcement also about the youth auction that will take place on April the 11th, and that's also a special event as well, and that will be in here. 
There's kind of a new way of doing that this year where the items will be spread throughout the church. You can sign up for a time slot by which you can come and make your best bid. And you don't have to worry that the preacher is looking over your shoulder to come behind you to supplant your silent auction bid for the things that he may want because it's a best bid only. You submit that and it's a great fun fundraiser as well. Again, more information about that in the bulletin. So is Nakomi registration is happening this year. We've already had a great number of people uh, say they're going to come, and so now we need to register for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. A little earlier this year, end of April, first uh, day or two of May, um, it's going to be great fun. Please do sign up for Nakomi. Last but not least, um, thank you for all of your prayers and concerns and questions about recovering from our flood, which we are still doing. Of course, and this week we received a a settlement from our insurance company, and now we have a contractor hired, and now they've already started work in the sanctuary, and uh, they started the work of reconstruction to help us recover from all of our flood damage from just over a month ago. So we'll continue to give you updates about that. Recovery is underway. You can, if you'd like to, after the service, you can peek your head into the sanctuary and see what it looks like and how different it looks right now. Um, Please don't go past the yellow tape that's set up, but you can go in there and look and see for yourself uh, how recovery efforts are underway uh, for that endeavor. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in our call to worship. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Our God is gracious and merciful. Through sin, we have fallen short of God's expectations for us. Let us confess our sin together. Let us pray. Lord, Lord, forgive us, us, we pray, for the feebleness of our witness, the smallness of our charity, and the slackness of our zeal. Make us to be more worthy followers of the one who cared for the poor and the oppressed and who could never see disease without seeking to heal it, or any kind of human need without turning aside to help. Let your power, O Christ, be in us all to share the world's suffering and redress its wrongs.
We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God has mercy on us through Jesus Christ. Through Christ's obedience and death, we have forgiveness. Through his resurrection, we have new life before God. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and also with you. As our children come forward, I remind you to please remember everyone in our church family. Pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. I know. Well, you all are the children today, so <laughs> you may have to raise your hand. <laughs> now, good morning um, to our children here today and who are um, with us on TV this morning. We're glad to have you all here. Um, we are talking about patience in Sunday school. That is our month-long theme, and every week um, we have a different children's um, Bible story that our children learn, and it kind of revolves around that theme so today our children are learning about patience, and um, I was going to ask them if they had something that they had to wait for in their life, and I was going to see, does anybody want to tell me anything that they want to, they have to wait for is so hard? I don't even, you don't even have to raise your hand because I know. One is your birthday. In our house, we plan for our birthday all year long. And then we have to wait all year long, just about, for our birthday to celebrate. So um, we are going to learn today how Moses went up the mountain and the Israelites stayed at the base of the mountain and they forgot all the good things that God had done for them. And in, instead of waiting and trusting in God, they decided to build a golden calf out of all of their pretty gold. They melted it and they made a golden calf. And they worshipped the golden calf. Kind of looked like this. And Moses came down the mountain and he was not very happy. So we, in our life, can do so much better. We can put our trust in God and we can wait for the things that we have to wait for that God will reveal to us. 
in our lives, and um, we know that. We can put our trust in Jesus, and he will always be with us. Um, If you would like a little patient activity to do, to practice, you can come get one from me. But if you will bow your head, I will pray for us. Dear loving Father, thank you for being in our life, always with us. Um, Please help us in times when we have to wait to put our trust in you, to practice patience, and just rest in knowing that Jesus is with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us settle ourselves now with a time of prayer. Almighty God, you built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone. Join us together now by their teachings in scripture so that we might be a holy people in whom your spirit continues to dwell. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Our reading this morning from the Hebrew Scriptures is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Listen now for the word of God. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. It comes from verses 20 through 33, John 12, 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. But now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice from heaven came and said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. 
The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was like thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake and not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I think I'll take one of those patience workshops, one of those things. If you don't mind saving one for me, I can't wait for the day when I have to, don't have to maneuver this and my microphone and my glasses and everything all in one fell swoop and get them all tangled up. I can't wait for the day when COVID is over. I can't wait for the day when we're back in our sanctuary. It just seems like sometimes life is a series of impatience for me and maybe for you too. So I need one of those this morning easily. I want to see if you remember this remarkable event in world history. Some of you won't, perhaps, if you weren't born yet, but some of you were. You might remember this. It was a medical moonshot the year before the actual moonshot. Do you remember when the first heart transplant took place? You remember that? 1967 in Johannesburg in South Africa. This incredible event. A really amazing event. 54-year-old Louis Washkansky received a new heart. And Dr. Christian Bernard performed that surgery. Now, anything involving the heart, of course, is always tricky. But do you remember how risky it was back then? I mean, it was just absolutely amazing that the heart transplant took place. Not many heart transplants up until that point, actually only a handful had even been attempted, none had been successful, but this one was. For a little while, uh, as an adult, Louis Wiskanski, he had severe heart problems. He developed heart problems and heart failure over the course of his adult life. He had three heart attacks, and he recovered from each one, but was diminished a little bit after each one. He knew that if he had a fourth, then that would be it. He wouldn't make it. So he agreed with Dr. Bernard that he would undergo a heart transplant if the circumstances were right. Now, there's another hard part, because if the circumstances were right for him, it meant that the circumstances had gone tragically wrong for somebody else. That someone else was 25-year-old Denise Darville. She and her mother were crossing a street in Johannesburg when they were both hit by a drunk driver. And her mother died on the scene, and Denise was taken to the hospital very quickly, but it was clear that she would not survive her injuries, and her father had to make that decision. Now, we hear about that decision in our day and age because there have been organ transplants now for for 50 years and and more for other organs, And, and you can even check on your license, yes, I'd like to be an organ donor, and we hear about that decision now. But for him, that father, it was the first time in history that he had to make that decision, which he did uh, apparently very quickly, a good heart exchanged for a bad one, and he gave his consent. Louis Wiskanski received that heart that was not really new. It was new to him, and he woke up, and through some tear-filled eyes, he asked to speak to his wife, and he did. 
And they conversed for a few days, but he actually died 18 days later. But now, 54 years later, now there have been thousands and thousands of heart transplants, and the stories are absolutely amazing. They're incredible. And you can go on certain websites and you can look at the American Heart Association, for example, and you can see the testimonies of people who have had heart transplants. I read one, I actually just picked it totally randomly, I read one, Jen Lentini calls her heart transplant day, which was July the 6th, 1996, which by coincidence happens to be the same day that I got married, another kind of heart transplant in a way. But when she recounts her heart transplant, she calls that day, July 6, 1996, her rebirth day. And you go look at these accounts of people who've had transplants and you will hear them use words like a new life. And they'll talk about emotions like joy and tears. And they'll use words like rebirth. They'll have gratitude, new lease on life, a fresh start, a new life. Does that sound familiar to us? It should, because that is our story, in a way, that is our story when we have heart transplants. Those heart transplants back that you read about on those testimonials, they will actually talk about wanting to live a new life, wanting to live a different life. They want to live a better life. They're thankful to be alive, and they want to be different, and they want to be better. They talk about regrets that they had made in life and how they want to now go, and they want to be a different person. Why? Because they know of the tragedy. They know of the tragedy. It took someone else's tragedy and death to give them new life. And that, that tragedy and that sacrifice, they want to recognize that truth. And they know it's a life-giving truth. They recognize that and they want to be better and different from whom they were before. Again, does that sound familiar? It should because that's our story. That is our story as followers of Christ. We're in this sermon series in Lent called Covenant. And it's about this incredible biblical word. It's about this great biblical concept of a covenant relationship. This, this incredible relationship that God enters into with each one of us. A covenant relationship. God comes to us and God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. And so we looked at all these different covenants that we find in Scripture. You can look through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Six or seven covenants in the Old Testament that we've looked at. We've looked at the covenant with Noah. We looked at the covenant with Abraham. We've looked at the Mosaic covenant. We've talked about different attributes of the covenants. We've looked, for example, at unconditional love. That God's covenant relationship with us is about unconditional love. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, or maybe where you're not in your relationship with God. God says, I embrace you. You are my covenant partner. We're in this relationship together. It's this great relationship of love and mercy. We've talked about these attributes of a covenant and what makes a covenant so different from a contract. They're so very different. We've talked about that type of relationship also that we have all around us every day. All of us live under all these different contracts. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to count up the number of contracts that sort of govern your life, and I decided to do that just by looking at what came in the mail. 
Just look at the mail that comes in and you'll see all the different contracts that you live under. From, for me, from insurance to healthcare to mortgage to loans to driver's licenses, all these different contracts that regulate our behavior every day. Because if you think about it, if you think about it, we live under this much larger rubric. We live under this this understanding, especially here in the Western Hemisphere, of what we think of as the social contract. I mean, that's the whole political philosophy under which we live as a nation. This social contract, it's part of our history and philosophy, this idea that we are all individuals with freedom. That we have freedom, we have the ability to do what we want to do, but in a society like ours, we know that we'll give up certain individual freedoms for the larger good, to have good order, to have good government, to have community. And I'm not free to do whatever I want. I can't just go steal and take from somebody else whatever I want to. No, I can't. I gladly submit to standards of justice and standards of decency and by driving the right way with a license so that I don't hurt somebody else. We give up a lot to live under this social contract. And what happens every day online, it happens in conversations, is people going back and forth and kind of jockeying back and forth in their different mindset and perspectives about that social contract and about individual rights and liberties and communal responsibilities. That's what all the politics you see going on is about that social contract and what types of freedoms individuals might have to sacrifice for the larger good, but what if the larger good then impinges on individual rights, all of that part of our social contract. But I started to think about it, and there's another part of that, that contract or that social world in which we live that is also hard for us day to day, how we interact in this contract with others. Think about what social scientists study. What do they analyze? What do they look at from statistics and data and behaviors they look at how people behave within this larger world, how individuals and groups of people interact with others. How do I see and relate to other people? I was thinking about this in this social contract, and I remembered these words from uh, a long time ago now, this song. Remember that song by the Eurythmics, Annie Lennox, where she sang, sweet dreams are made of these. Some of people want to use you. Some people want to be used by you. This idea that in our world, people want to use other people for their own ends and means. That's what this social world is all about. We live often in a user-unfriendly world. People want to use you for their own purposes. Think about it. Every day, on average, they say that we hear over a thousand advertisements or images of ads. We hear over a thousand of those on average every day. People who want to use our money for their purposes. Fraudulent scams online are at an all-time high, and so are people who succumb to them. Kathleen Casper is an educator in Florida. She's an educator for gifted students. She had a blog post a few years ago that, that caught my eye. It's entitled, when everyone wants a piece of you. And she writes about what it feels like when when everybody wants you for their own benefit. And you don't even know how to say no. That might sound familiar to so many of you. 
Maybe you feel like you're pulled in, in just so many different directions and you get just bombarded every day with requests or ads or people just want some piece of you, some piece of your heart. People want to use you. Elected leaders, politicians want your vote and your money and your support. People want to use you, maybe even for good causes because you're talented, but they, they want your time and your energy and your intellect. Sometimes people want to use you for bad causes to serve their own needs. You've got your own needs, your own aspirations, your own desires, your own dreams, your own work, and, and your family needs you. When you live within this larger social contract, sometimes it feels like everybody wants a piece of you. And maybe you want a piece of other people too. Which is why a covenant, a covenant is so much better. It is so refreshing that God doesn't want just a piece of you. God wants all of you. God wants all of you. In covenant love, God wants all of you. And, and just by giving your whole self over to God, giving your whole heart and soul and mind and strength, giving all of you over to God allows you to live in a relationship with God where God will never use you for anything. God never uses you for anything. The gain is all yours. The grace is all yours because of what Christ provides for you. The gain is all of ours. God provides and satisfies beyond all measure. And so living in covenant love, friends, is just so wonderfully better than any relationship you will ever have. Even marriage. Even marriage, for, for some of you, you can't believe it could be better than that. For others of you, maybe you, you, maybe you can. But no relationship in this world will be better than your relationship in a covenant with God. You do see the world in a whole new light. In a covenant relationship with God, you see the world through new eyes. And you start to love with a new heart. A new heart. That's what this message from Jeremiah is all about. That's what this reading from Jeremiah is all about. A new covenant that comes with a change of heart. Jeremiah's writing during a very tenuous time, a very uh, difficult time for those Israelite people. That covenant is being severely tested. A few weeks ago, we looked at the Mosaic Covenant. We looked at that covenant and we saw how the, the, the covenant of God's love came to the people through the Mosaic Law, through the Torah, that came to all of those people back then. We looked at the Ten Commandments and we saw how those Ten Commandments are just a summary of the law, where the first four govern our vertical relationship with God, our love for God, and the other six are on this horizontal plane about loving our neighbors as ourselves, this cross-shaped relationship of loving God and loving all those on the same plane of existence as we are. This great way of loving God and loving neighbors. But in Jeremiah's day, what had happened to this covenant? What had happened, those, those lines vertically and horizontally, they got all twisted up and they got all skewed and people had gotten all of their priorities changed and mixed up. That covenant life was just upended and, and turned upside down. And the result in biblical terminology was idolatry and injustice. The covenant was broken through idolatry and injustice. God had said, do not have any other gods before me. Do not make idols, but we do it all the time. 
Other things get in the way of our relationship with God. And then when we skewer our neighbors and we violate those commands about loving them, we create injustice. Idolatry and injustice took over for God's people and they broke that covenant of love and that relationship. Thinking about those this week and also reading about that first heart transplant. I started thinking about it in these lines. Who's to say who needed a heart transplant more than the other? Mr. Wyskansky got a physical heart, a new one to him, but maybe Dr. Bernard also needed a heart transplant. Because apparently the fame from being that first heart transplant surgeon gave him a kind of Messiah complex. This term that a lot of successful people have. Their ego gets larger and larger and they sort of think they're kind of the savior of other people or they're so important. The more lectures he gave around the world and the more famous he became, his ego got larger and larger. And then marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage crumbled and collapsed under the weight of that narcissism and he became his own God. And then he made public statements about racial differences that are incompatible with the gospel in his location back then of South Africa. He helped maintain injustice against his neighbors. Idolatry and injustice are always covenant breakers. So God said, I'll give them a heart transplant. I'll give them a new heart. It will not be like this old covenant, this new covenant that was broken. I'll give them a new covenant. It will be an unbreakable one. It will be one where they can love God and others. And it won't be written on just stone tablets. It will be written on the heart. Written in a new way. I'll change them from the inside out. I'll forgive them in a new way and a final way and give them new hearts. Now this is so important to understanding this, this message from Jeremiah, and also what we read in John, I'll just finish by saying this, that that part of that Torah was about how to atone for sin, how the people could be released from guilt. And there were different methods, different sacrifices, different animals, like a perfect lamb that would be sacrificed every year, or a scapegoat that would be beaten and driven out into the wilderness with the people's sins confessed over it. All these things had to be done and redone and reenacted year after year after year, to atone for guilt. But God said, I will do a new covenant. And this one will be different. And there'll be a new sacrifice and a final sacrifice once and for all. One final tragedy so that everybody can start over one more time. Friends, this season of Lent, the season of Lent that we are in right now, Now, this season of Lent is meant to lead us up to the most important day in the Christian year. And if you think I'm talking about Easter, I'm not. I'm talking about Good Friday. The most important day in the Christian year when this new covenant becomes real for us. Jeremiah spoke about it. Jesus talks about it here in John chapter 12. This season of Lent leads us directly to Good Friday and the crucifixion. This day on which we see our sin exposed, all of our own idolatry and injustice, all the sins by which we deny God and by which we show contempt to our neighbors, idolatry and injustice. I mean, we know for ourselves and for all of human history that if God doesn't intervene, we will all die of spiritual cardiac arrest. But God said, I will give them a new heart. 
I'll give them a new relationship, not like the old relationship, a new relationship. And so Christ went to that cross to die for each one of us so that we all might have a new heart that we might live. That's what this season of Lent is about, is recognizing our own shortcomings and our own ways in which we need God's grace every day. That's what Good Friday is about. And it is also Easter and the new life that comes. But it's about God's self-sacrifice so that we can have a new heart. Christ's own heart transplanted into our lives, into our chest, into our bodies. His way of thinking, His way of believing, His way of seeing the world, His way of obedience. Just like a new heart and a body grafts onto those, those, all of those parts of the body, those vessels, and a new body, Christ's heart grafts into us. And we see the world as He does, slowly but surely. We have a rebirth day and a new heart and a new covenant. Say yes to it. Say yes to this new covenant. Say yes again. For some of us, say yes again and again. For some people, say yes. It will be the first time you say yes to living into this new relationship with God. Accept God's offer of this new covenant life through Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Will. As God has nourished us through his holy words read and proclaimed, let's reaffirm what we believe, recommitting our lives to Christ by saying together the Apostles' Creed. Would you join me as we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As God has spoken to us, we have an opportunity to speak back, to share out of a heart that overflows with his love, what's going on in our lives? So would you join me as we pray together? Savior, we thank you for this sunny, beautiful day. And as we sit in safety and the comfort and warmth of this church family, in your holy presence, we remember as your covenant people, a people of resurrection, a people of new life, that there are many within and without our community 
I don't feel that warmth, that beauty today. We ask, Lord, that you would be with all nurses and doctors, medical staff and support that have been working tirelessly to keep us safe and to care for us. We ask that you would be with those who have families and children who have rested from their wonderfully well-earned spring break and are re-entering life and going back to school. And Lord, we stand in solidarity and heartbreak with our sisters and brothers in the Atlanta community who are reeling from another injustice, a crime of hate, a crime that took lives that you went to hell and back again to save. And so we ask, Lord, that you would be with the victims with their families, with the wider community that has been traumatized by this terrible shooting. And be with all of our sisters and brothers in the Asian community who are feeling oppressed and especially marginalized during this time. Lord, as your people of grace, empower us to be your agents in our community, in the grocery store, in the mailroom, in the office, to, as your servant Paul shows us, to be your aroma of love, of healing, of hope. Lord, we lift to you all of these prayers and the multitude unspoken with the words that you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue our worship, We have an opportunity, not just in prayer, but with the tangible portions of our lives to participate in God's goodness in the world through the giving of tithes and offerings. For those of you who are here, you see that there is an opportunity when you enter and exit to place your tithe in the offering plate. For those of you who are joining us from home, you can give easily online or through the mail. And so as we dedicate ourselves through these tangible gifts, let us take a moment to ponder the great sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, and the great gift of life eternal that we get to share in the little and large portions of our lives. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. 
Would you pray with me? God, you are here. And sometimes with words deep from the heart, we sense that you are here in so many ways that we need. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for moving in our hearts this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be together as a family of faith. And so we give to you these tithes and offerings as a portion of the totality of our gratitude to you. We ask that you would take and use them for your glory, that all who see us would encounter yourself. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian friends, go now out into this world to love and serve the Lord, and go in love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.